Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they've graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I will explain why I was not here for a protracted, uh, protracted period of time at the end of the program. I want to thank all of our wonderful hosts who filled in. Uh, I understand they did an excellent job. I know they would. A lot been going on since I wasn't here, including on Sunday. You know, as I was watching TV a little bit over the weekend and listening to the radio in my car... It's an amazing thing, all of a sudden, everybody talking about a silent coup, isn't it, Mr. Producer? Silent coup. Silent coup. A coup d'etat. A coup. You know what's very upsetting, folks, is two years ago, almost two years ago to the day, a couple of weeks short, when I went on this radio program, And then two days later, went on Fox and Friends on the weekend. And then two days after that, went on Hannity on Fox and laid out the case for what I called a silent coup. That is a non-shooting coup. I came under brutal attack. And you know what else is amazing? Very few of my friends in conservative talk radio defended me. I can count on one hand and shame on them because now they're all running around talking about a coup and a silent coup as if they uh, invented these terms. I didn't invent them, but I applied them to what I saw taking place. And it wasn't to be provocative. As a former chief of staff to an attorney general of the United States who had meetings with the Attorney General, the Deputy Attorney General, the head of the FBI, the head of the DEA, and so forth and so on, where the Attorney General called meetings on a regular basis, I knew that leaks were coming out of the top levels of the FBI. How did I know that? Am I Nostradamus? No. Am I in the prediction business? No. But it's at the top levels of the FBI where this information would be crossing paths. Nowhere else. It's not in the Bureau of Prisons. It's not in the Antitrust Division. It's not in the Civil Division. It's at the FBI. And you folks may remember this, those of you who are loyal Levinites, when I went on the radio and when I went on TV and I laid it out one exhibit after another, using the leaks to the media by the FBI, among others that there had been at least one FISA application 
probably more, that there'd been eavesdropping, espionage activity on the President of the United States or his campaign. Obviously, I didn't have all the particulars that we have now, but I could start to put together the general picture what was taking place. And there was a pattern in the leaks over a period of three or four months. And Mr. Producer will tell you, I do my own research. I sat at my desk. I started to see this. I started to dig. I put one next to the other, next to the other. I said, what the hell's going on here? We've got a rogue operation. And it was a rogue operation. And what Mr. Comey and Mr. McCabe and the others were doing was undermining the United States of America from within the government, from within the FBI, from within the Department of Justice. Nothing like this has ever happened before in the United States of America. Ever. Ever. We have never had an FBI trying to take out a duly elected president of the United States. Never. And they talk about the 25th Amendment. I'll go through that again, how absurd that was. But it didn't matter. They were looking for a means, any means possible. It is the FBI working with the Democrat Party in the Obama administration to put out the lies about Russian collusion. Where is it? Counterintelligence investigation, criminal investigation, congressional investigations. Where the hell is it? It doesn't exist. It never did exist. The only party that's ever colluded with the Russians and the old Soviets is the Democrat Party. And they used to be proud of it. The reason why Mr. McCabe is on 60 Minutes is because he knows the media have his back. Because he leaked to the media. He was one of their sources. It's not just an FBI cabal. It's a cabal with the senior level of the FBI and the media. And I might add Barack Obama, who still hasn't been held to account for anything, as if he didn't know a damn thing about a damn thing. That's hard to believe. Jim Comey didn't tell him. McCabe didn't tell him. Now, McCabe is a pathological liar and a narcissist. That's why he got his ass kicked out of the FBI before he could take his retirement, even though Rubio thought he should get his retirement. The inspector general appointed by Obama, now all of a sudden he is a Trump partisan. You believe that? He lied to the inspector general. That's why they kicked his ass out of the FBI. He's a liar. Rosenstein, he's a liar and a coward. Baker, whose name you haven't heard a lot of, he's under criminal investigation. He was the general counsel of the FBI. Comey was leaking. That's why the media loved Comey and hawked his book. He leaked to a professor who leaked to the New York Times. You don't do that if you want to be known as a leaker. So eventually he had to confess because it was under penalty of perjury in front of the House. Look at this FBI. Five, six, seven of them at the top levels. A cabal 
a silent coup. And it stretched into the Department of State. And it stretched into the intelligence agencies. There is no question about this anymore. And as this enormous scandal is exposed further, the media, the Praetorian Guard media, protect the left. Why? Because they are the left. They are the left. They are the ones leading the charge to remove this president. Because they're ideologues, they're activists. How many damn times do I have to say it? You can spend a few hours watching CNN, a few hours watching MSNBC, reading the New York Times or the Washington Post or watching the network news. And you'll know. It's not even debatable anymore. It's unequivocal. We've said from the start there was no Russian collusion. The President of the United States has said from the start there's no Russian collusion. They've had thousands of reporters, hundreds of members of Congress, scores of FBI agents, scores of prosecutors looking for anything, anything, anything they can. They have found nothing because there never was anything. This was a cabal hatched in the Obama administration at the United States Department of Justice and the FBI. And I suspect some of the intelligence agencies. Why do you think Brennan is out there the way he is? Why do you think Clapper's out there the way he is? They are vested in this. It started out as a counterintelligence investigation. And they're all sitting back and waiting for Mr. Comey's report. Because they know, check that, Mr. Mueller's report. Because they know that Mr. Mueller's lieutenant, Andrew Reisman, is capable of very bad and evil things. All they need is a footnote. All they need is a sentence, anything. Just give them anything. Now notice how they treat Mueller versus Ken Starr. We've never seen the front of Mueller's house. We've never seen the car he drives. We've never seen him hold a cup of coffee in the morning coming out of his house. We got to know all of Ken Starr's personal habits. As the cameras were there in front of his house. Trashing him. Trashing his investigations. No such thing as Mueller. We don't even know what the hell town he lives in. Or Weissman. Do we? Because they're leakers too counterintelligence investigations, criminal investigations, congressional investigations. Now they're moving on. They want Trump's taxes. They want his bank accounts. They want the taxes and bank accounts of his kids. His inauguration, his campaign, anything, everything. Because they don't plan to give up. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The new congressional leadership is in town, but there's nothing new about what they're pushing. Big government, centralized government, iron-fisted government, higher taxes, more regulations, open borders. They're on a mission to obstruct our freedom and undermine our sovereignty. Yours, mine, all of ours. And too many representatives don't 
care. This is the nature of progressivism. It's an ideological poison. And the best way to fight it is with knowledge, information about liberty, about the Declaration, about the Constitution, and how Congress is supposed to work. It's up to we, the people, to understand what our government is and is not supposed to do. And that includes Congress. And thankfully, my good friends at Hillsdale College have brought back the powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress, and it's absolutely free. Please take advantage of this remarkable offer to equip yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors with the knowledge that all of us should have about our Congress and our government generally. Hillsdale College is on a critical mission to restore liberty in our great country. And you can take their excellent online courses for free for a limited time. So sign up right now for this important course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore so we can do something about it. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. quickly and then i'm going to circle back and hit them more fully and only you the smartest audience in radio can follow this only you can do it that have been gone a while and i've been thinking about things lots of things i see 16 some reports say 18 blue states attorneys general have decided to sue the president challenges triggering the national emergencies act of 1976 If we have a judiciary with any level of integrity, and that's a big if, they will lose and they will lose badly. The president has legal authority going back 43 years to 1976, and he also has access to the funds authorized by Congress. The law under which the president is acting was authorized by Congress. The funds and the ability to move them was also authorized by Congress. There's no constitutional violation. There's no separation of powers issue. There's no statutory violation. You see, because unlike Obama, who created a law, DACA, where there was no statutory or constitutional authority, this president of the United States is complying with the law. And the same Democrats, led by Pelosi and Schumer, among others, among other spectacular demagogues and hypocrites, who defend DACA to this day, including some of these phony Republicans. They defend an unconstitutional law while attacking the President of the United States for triggering a thoroughly constitutional law. Certainly the way he intends to use it. And I've also heard it said, it's a talking point now, that a Democrat president could use this law for gun control. Does anybody know why that's not correct? Because we have what's called a Second Amendment, the Bill of Rights, a Constitution of the United States. The president cannot do unilaterally, nor with the help of Congress, that which the Constitution doesn't permit. It has nothing to do with gun control, nothing to do with the Second Amendment. It's the National Emergencies Act, and just because the Democrats, like every time, everything else, want to pour their radical-ass agenda through the Constitution, doesn't make it so. And here's the irony. Even among so-called constitutional conservatives who are phonies and moronic who make this point. You have the blue states and others saying that Trump is violating the Constitution's separation of powers by invoking a law that Congress passed 43 years ago. Meanwhile, they are asking specifically activist federal judges. They are court shopping to substitute 
the activist federal judges' political and policy views for that of the elected president of the United States. They want the judges to say what constitutes a national emergency in lieu of the president of the United States. A federal judge with his or her three law clerks sitting at a lunch eating bologna sandwiches, they're the ones who should decide, not the president of the United States who runs the executive branch under our Constitution. And they want you to believe that we need the judges to intervene and make political and policy decisions because they disagree with what the president of the United States is doing from a political and policy perspective. They want judges to pervert the Constitution so they can impose their own will. The framers of the Constitution never agreed to this. Now, which does more damage to the Constitution? The litigants, the ACLU, the Democrat attorneys general, and the rest? Who want judges to make political and policy decisions? Or the president triggering a law that's been in existence for 43 years, used over 50 times, including over a dozen times by Obama and George W. Bush alone? Which does more damage to the Constitution? Now, ladies and gentlemen, when you see blue states lining up over there with the ACLU and the media, you know they're not there to defend the Constitution. And when you see our president, who has carefully and painstakingly gone through this process, a government shutdown, then waiting for them to negotiate, then triggering the National Emergencies Act of 1976, then carefully deciding from where he can move funds under existing federal statutes created by Congress. Who's complying with the Constitution? He is. He's complying with the Constitution. I am so sick and tired of Ron Johnson, of some of my friends right now, I won't name them, but I will in the future, sitting there in the Senate pretending this is a tough decision. Pretending that it's a tough decision. And here's the deal. The statute that Congress passed allows Congress to override the president. But the president can veto them. So there is a participatory aspect to this. The president is following a law he didn't create. Hell, the law was here four decades before he became president of the United States. Does anybody remember a single so-called constitutionalist in the House or the Senate objecting to the National Emergencies Act of 1976, objecting to Obama using it, objecting to Bush using it. Does anybody remember Marco Rubio leading the fight against this? Of course you don't, because it's Trump, and he wants to apply it in a way that will actually help the country. More when I return. I want to thank our sponsor, Hillsdale College, for all they do to try and maintain the greatness of America. You know, most colleges have enough trouble maintaining the greatness on their own campuses, and they have declined, and they have fallen into cultural rot. Not Hillsdale College. It's a special place. And now they reach out to all citizens of the country to spread the word of liberty, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, capitalism, all the great things that make America what she is today. 
And now that Congress is under new leadership, it already seems to be on a mission to thwart our liberty, doesn't it? Yours and mine. But too many representatives don't know how to preserve liberty, and too many of them don't care. We call them progressives. But I'm not interested in the progressives. I'm interested in you, we the people. It's up to we the people to retain what we have earned and to retain what we have received from our founding fathers. And our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check. And being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. That's why for a limited time, my good friends at Hillsdale have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free, to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. Hillsdale is on a mission to restore liberty like the rest of us. And you can take their excellent online course for free for a limited time. Sign up today for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't anymore. Learn about liberty, the Declaration, the Constitution. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Capitalism versus socialism. Capitalism versus socialism. Let me ask you a question. How many police states have been created under capitalist systems? How many police states have been created under capitalist systems? Answer, zero. How many police states have been created under quote-unquote democratic socialism? Answer, scores. Because capitalism is about individualism. It's about individual liberty. It's about individuals making choices for themselves, thinking for themselves, being creative, being productive, or not. Socialism is about government. Government making decisions for individuals. And what's government? Well, you see the conga line of left-wing kooks and fools and malcontents and miscreants all lining up to run for president on the Democrat side. You see them in the media. You see them at the DMV. Hey, go stand over there for 12 and a half hours. Those are the people who will be running your lives other than you. So, of course, they can make any promise they want. And they never intend to fulfill them. None of them. I watch TV from time to time, less and less, quite frankly, and I heard somebody say, you don't believe in socialism? What do you think of Social Security? Ladies and gentlemen, Social Security is not supposed to be socialism. Don't you pay into Social Security? Weren't we told it's insurance? Don't you pay into Medicare? Weren't we told it's insurance? Now look, we can argue whether it's a Ponzi scheme or not. In many respects, they are. But that's not socialism, is it? How's it socialism? It's not socialism. Now, capitalism versus socialism. Look at the people who are promoting it. Most of them have never had a private sector job in their lives. Or if they did, it was of no consequence. Most of them haven't created a damn thing. They managed to get elected. Everywhere else, all of us, you've got to have a resume, you've got to have some experience, you've got to apply for a job, you got, or if you're going to create a business, you have to have some kind of a capital, some kind of creativity, something. 
And yet here we have politicians. Kamala Harris wants to be president of the private sector. Bernie Sanders wants to be president of the private sector. Based on what? Based on failed theories. Based on abstractions. Tell me. How many people have died at the hands of a government promoting capitalism? How many people died at the hands of a government promoting some form of socialism? Republicanism, constitutionalism. Which brings me to the 25th Amendment. I thought that was clever. Is Andrew McCabe as stupid as he looks? Is Rosenstein as stupid as he looks? And boy, does he look the part. The 25th Amendment, they said. And they had two, two cabinet secretaries. These men should be arrested. They tried to topple a duly elected president. The FBI has no role in the 25th Amendment has no role in enforcing any part of the Constitution. They're supposed to uphold it in their own duties, but they have no role. You may look at the Constitution. You won't find the FBI in the Constitution. In fact, you won't find the Department of Justice in the Constitution. You won't find the position of director or deputy director of the FBI or attorney general in the Constitution. You will find the president. He's the boss of the executive branch. The 25th Amendment. Silent coup. There's a good piece by the, of the, on this uh, that I found at the Constitution Center by Brian Cald and David Posen. 25th Amendment seeks to answer a series of questions raised by the original Constitution's treatment of presidential and vice presidential vacancies and presidential disability. Now, all the sections aren't relevant. So we'll go to the section that is relevant. What happens if the president becomes unable to discharge the powers and duties of the office? Now, what was meant by that? We happen to know. You know, this wasn't 200 years, 200 and some years ago. It was a relative few years ago, a few decades ago. The concern was if a president is assassinated or a president dies in office, a president becomes disabled in office the way Woodrow Wilson did when his wife was running the presidency for a couple of years, or uh, John Kennedy was assassinated. They wanted to formalize a process. So if a president becomes incapacitated, mentally or physically, what would we do? You had in the case of Eisenhower and Nixon, where Eisenhower set forth what would happen when he had a heart attack, that Nixon would be acting in, in many respects as the president and so forth. But they wanted a formal process under the Constitution. It had nothing to do with removing a president with whom you disagreed. It even had nothing to do with removing a president who may have committed a criminal act. That's what impeachment's for. It had nothing to do with it. There were no procedures formally in place in the Constitution. The 25th Amendment, Section 1, confirms that when the president is removed from office, dies, or resigns, the vice president becomes president. That's what happened when Nixon resigned in 74. 
Gerald Ford stepped in. And when the vice president isn't serving any longer, when Gerald Ford became president of the United States, Congress confirmed the vice president, who was Rockefeller. Nominated Rockefeller, Ford did, to fill the empty vice presidency. This is now part of the 25th Amendment. What about presidential inability? Sections 3 and 4 of the 25th Amendment. Two procedures. Follow this. It's not easy. (laughs) Two procedures for transferring authority to the vice president as acting president. Section 3 allows the president to transfer authority temporarily by submitting a written declaration that he's unable to discharge the powers and duties of the office. This happens, for instance, when a president goes under surgery. Reagan did it once, when he was shot. George W. Bush did it twice, when he went under planned surgeries. Section 4 addresses the dramatic case of a president who may be unable to fulfill his constitutional role, who cannot or will not step aside. And what's meant by that is mental or physical impairment. The initial deciding group is the vice president and a majority of either the cabinet or some other body that Congress may designate. Congress has never done that. If this group or the cabinet declares a president unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office, the vice president immediately becomes acting president. This is what the constitutional illiterate McCabe and the constitutional illiterate Rosenstein were apparently imagining. If and when the president pronounces himself able, that is, he disagrees with the group or the cabinet. The deciding group has four days to disagree with him. And if it does not, the president retakes his powers. But if it does, the vice president keeps control while Congress quickly meets and makes a decision. The voting rule in these contested cases favors the president. Why? The vice president continues as acting president only if two-thirds majorities of both chambers agree the president is unable to serve. Long story short, in order to remove the president in the end, even if everything's rolling along the way McCabe and Rosenstein wanted, you would need two-thirds of both houses of Congress. That was never going to happen. To impeach a president in the House, you only need a majority. Now, isn't it interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that subsequent to this, even a year after this, or six or eight, ten months after this, this silent coup, that stories in the media began appearing. They found some Yale professor, remember? Who said the president was psychologically unfit, that he was a danger. Remember this? And she was joined by a couple dozen others. And they met with Democrats on Capitol Hill. Isn't that interesting? FBI pushes this. Media pushes this. Democrats push this. You don't hear about it anymore, do you? But remember when you did? Remember when the repeatedly stupid Joe Scarborough and his sidekick... Mika Brzezinski kept bringing it up even though it's an impossibility 
even though it has nothing to do with what McCabe and Rosenstein were, were really focused on. And the other thing, ladies and gentlemen, is this. Prior to the president firing Comey, they were already spying on him and his administration. They had spies in the campaign. Remember that? They already had a FISA warrant in late October. Remember that? It had already been extended. Remember that? They're already pushing the dossier. Christopher Steele, or Orr's wife, the top members of the FBI, including Stroke and Page and Mr. Weissman. This was the insurance policy. I believe that they were talking about. We have an insurance policy. What would that be? The 25th Amendment. Even though they're too stupid to understand that that would never work, still, we got the 25th Amendment. And months later, they would gin up support in their Praetorian Guard media. They would gin up support in academia. They would gin up support in the Democrat Party on Capitol Hill as the cabal got bigger and bigger to try and force this president out of office. This was a direct assault on your Constitution. This was a direct assault on your enfranchisement. This was a direct assault on the President of the United States. We have never experienced anything like this in the United States, which is why two damn years ago, I was trying to ring the bell and call. Call it out. And boy, you should have seen, and many of you did, how the media pounced. Oh, right-wing conspiracy theorist. I've never been and I am not a right-wing conspiracy. Oh, so my citing news articles, my citing news reports, them, and putting it together made me a right-wing conspiracy theorist when many of them already knew what was taking place because it had been leaked to them. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it appears that the new congressional leadership is on a course to impede our liberty, your liberty and mine and the future liberty of your children and your grandchildren. Many of our representatives simply don't understand or care about the critical imperative to preserve our liberty. And it would seem that some of these so-called progressives actually seek to kill it. And these progressives are quite unlikely to understand or learn these things, which is why we have to. We need to overcome them. Our founding fathers counted on we the people to hold our government in check and be Being able to do that means understanding the proper role of Congress. Now, to help us understand this critical issue for a limited time, my friends at Hillsdale College have brought their powerful online course on the history and proper role of Congress back, absolutely free to equip all of us to know what we should expect of our Congress. I encourage you to check out this course, but not just you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. Spread the word of liberty like Hillsdale College is. Hillsdale is on an important mission to restore liberty in our great country. And for a limited time, You can take their excellent and enlightening online courses for free. I urge you to sign up right now for this critical course at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Learn how Congress used to work and why it doesn't work anymore. Learn more about liberty. Spread the word. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. I want you to understand, folks. But the vast majority of the subterfuge that's been taking place has been driven by the media in this country. 
they have been prodding and spurring on the Democrat Party. They select the guests that they want on these programs, the so-called academics and experts. They decide the topics for the programs, and they provide the spin. Not in our lives, not in modern times, have we ever seen a media conduct itself this way, ever. As I say all the time, they used to be in the closet. Now they're not. Now they're not. How many times has Jake Tapper been on one of these night shows? Do we even know Mr. Producer? Because they become celebrity often, right? They become celebrities. They want to be celebrities. If there's one thing we've seen over the past few weeks, it's that we can't let the media run unchecked. Freedom of the press, they say. No, they're not. That's not a free press that you're watching. It's a propaganda machine, the Praetorian Guard for big government. Next hour, I will go like Sherman through Atlanta. Sorry, Atlanta. Into McCabe, and also we'll spend a little bit of time. Lara Logan's excellent interview. You want me to spend time on this actor, who I never even heard of before until he was a complete fraud? What's his name? Jussie Smollett, I wrote down. How many people in my audience ever heard of Jussie Smollett? Well, apparently he's black and apparently he's gay. Who cares? That's the great thing about America today. Most of us don't give a damn anymore. Keep your sex to yourself. And you don't need to tell us your race. We can see it. If you're white, Latino, so forth and so on. So it looks like he uh, performed another hoax. And this is becoming frequent because the media can't find actual actions like this. And people say, how did the media get fooled like this? How do they- what are you talking about? The media perpetuates this. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Bernie Sanders calls Trump a racist and a sexist. Bernie Sanders is a Marxist. And I seem to recall there was all a bunch of complaints about sexual harassment on his campaign. But it's time we call these people what they call us. It's Bernie Sanders who is a racist. It's Bernie Sanders who is a sexist. It's Bernie Sanders who lines up with the anti-Semites. It's Bernie Sanders who's the bigot. It's Bernie Sanders who called the anti-Semite bigot Islamicist Omar and basically stood with her, told her to stand strong despite her poisonous propaganda. That would be Bernie Sanders. Doddering old fool. He's an old red. I know where I'm going with this. Some of you go, why is he bouncing? I'm not bouncing around. There's a lot going on, and they all kind of tie together. It's a great piece in PJ Media by Deborah Hine. Why does the mainstream media keep falling for obvious hoaxes? They don't. 
They're the hoaxers. And she points out, over the years, the mainstream media has fallen for hundreds of hate crime hoaxes, reporting on them as if they were confirmed facts rather than mere allegations. Why? Because, ladies and gentlemen, I know I get attacked when I say this, but there are people in the media who hate America. They want it fundamentally transformed. Guys like Don Lemon. Guys like Chris Cuomo. Jake Tapper. Now, while they pretend they don't, they do. If you support socialism, and by the way, if you're in the media destroying the free press, if you rally around Jim Acosta, you despise this country. Because you're not rallying around free press. You're not rallying around freedom. The time... The story is proven to be a hoax. The media have already moved on to the next manufactured outrage. This phenomenon has only increased since the election of President Trump. They want to tie all hate crimes to Trump and his supporters. That's what they're trying to do. That's what they want to do. I'm going to tell you where this comes from. You notice there's an intensity in the calling of Trump a racist. Even though the man does not have a racist bone in his body. Donald Trump has hired more minorities than CNN has ever hired, than MSNBC has ever hired, or Bernie Sanders has ever hired, or any senator or congressman has ever hired. More African Americans, more Latinos, more Asian Americans, and on and on and on. Than any of them put together. But I'm going to tell you why they've been pushing this racist theme so hard for the last six months. Do you know why, Mr. Producer? Because there was a Pew poll that came out in August, I believe it was. You know what it showed? Trump's approval rating among blacks, particularly black men, had reached 21%. Remember that, Rich? Well, the Democrats can't win if they don't get over 90% of the African-American vote. They can't win. So Trump was getting 21% approval rating among blacks, according to Pew. About six months or so, give or take. And so the Democrats and the NAACP and the media decided they're going to hammer the hell out of this guy as a racist. They're going to change the narrative. So it's racist. He's a racist. Racist. He's a racist. A racist. On and on. Over and over. You need to understand this is a campaign of propaganda by media demagogues. So he's going to continually be called a racist because they want to dissuade African-Americans from even taking a look at him as a possibility to vote for. That's why they keep calling him a race. It has nothing to do with Charlottesville. It has to do with this poll. And they go, holy mackerel. 21%? We can't 21%? Can you imagine a Republican maybe getting 20%, even 15% of the African-American vote? We can't have that. We'll lose state after state after state. Remember, the Democrats are about balkanization and tribalization. They're about groupthink. They can't have that. They can't have one of its constituent groups 
quote unquote, because, you know, to them, African-Americans aren't individuals who think for themselves. It's a group. That's a group. There's another group over there, another group over here. We're going to create a group. You know, Kamala Harris wants to create a third. Did you hear this one, Rich? She wants the federal government to officially recognize and create a third sex. It's sick out there. Sick. A third sex. Can they pander enough? No, they can't, apparently. Just when you think, you can't even imagine these things. If you sit down at a table and say, how can I think of the kookiest things for liberals to run on or talk about? You can't even come up with them. They're so crazy. But that's why they've been hammering and hammering and hammering Trump on this quote-unquote racism. Because of his popularity back in August, back in the summer with African Americans, particularly male African Americans. They can't win if Trump breaks into that vote. So they feel they have to break his back on it. Jussie Smollett. I don't give a crap about Jussie Smollett. Is that his name? Jussie? Jussie Smollett. Oh, excuse me. Jussie Smollett. He's in trouble now, and he should be. And the media have embarrassed themselves as a group yet again, but they don't care. Nobody gets fired. Anybody get fired? Does the president of CNN ever get fired, this, this puke zucker? No, of course not. Or the puke that runs MSNBC, all these pukes. Do they ever get fired? No. Do any of these reporters ever get fired for reporting the wrong? No. Never. And the media is in on it. <clears throat> the media brings anti-Semites on. They bring uh, bigots on who say the most outrageous things. And then they say, oh, Trump, you know, Trump's tone. It's problematic, you know. It's probably it's probably his tone, you know, his 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 tweets. Day in and day out. The media say the most horrendous things. They say the most horrendous things. And they ignore facts. Like, guess what? There's no Russia collusion. But we're so invested in this. Let's move on to tax returns, as I told you before. Okay, fair enough. We went the 10 years past tax returns of every member of Congress and their family members. We want their bank records. In other words, look in the mirror. Whatever they ask for, they should be able to be, able to, be required to produce. Now, I must tell you, I've told you, and quite frankly, in a passing remark to the President of the United States, I told him, if they ask for your private information, don't give it to them. Take it all the way to the Supreme Court. Congress has oversight responsibility for writing legislation. They're not criminal investigators. That's not their authority. Moreover, any business transactions of the past, don't give it to them. They don't have any authority over that. And then I see this piece in the Wall Street Journal on Valentine's Day by David Rivkin and Elizabeth Price Foley, and they're right on. Stop the impeachment fishing expedition. Congress has no business investigating the president for conduct that occurred before he took office. It's even broader than that. But they make another point, 
which was made by the Office of Legal Counsel that we've talked about many times here. They say the president is not one among many, as are legislators and judges. Crippling his ability to function upsets the constitutional balance of power. For this reason, the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel has repeatedly concluded a sitting president may not be indicted or prosecuted. The same logic should apply to congressional investigations. Congress is targeting Mr. Trump's actions before becoming president because there are well-established constitutional limits grounded in separation of powers doctrine on its ability to investigate his official conduct. In United States versus Nixon, a Supreme Court decision in 1974, the court recognized a constitutionally based, although not unlimited, privilege of confidentiality to ensure effective discharge of a president's powers. In Nixon versus Fitzgerald in 1982, the justices held that presidents and ex-presidents have absolute immunity against civil liability for official presidential acts. They go into the Clinton versus Jones decision of 1997, which is not relevant here. The court did, however, consider the question of whether civil litigation could conceivably hamper the president in conducting the duties of his office. It answered, if and when that should occur, the court's discretion would permit it to manage those actions in such fashion, including deferral of trial, uh, that interference with the president's duties would not occur. Now, unfortunately, they write, the scenario that court called unlikely in 1997 now exists Mr. Trump faces an investigation by his Ellis prosecutor with unlimited resources, inquiring, among other things, into, a pre- into pre-presidential activities. In addition, Mr. Trump is subject to a deluge of lawsuits and investigations, including by state attorneys general involving his conduct before entering politics. The House Intelligence Committee has announced a wide-ranging investigation of two decades' worth of Mr. Trump's business dealings. The Ways and Means Committee plans to probe many of Mr. Trump's tax returns. By contrast, the 1995 resolution establishing the Senate Whitewater Committee targeted specific areas of possible improper conduct by the White House and federal banking regulators. And here's the nub. Congress has no authority to investigate or prosecute crimes. That responsibility belongs to the executive branch. It has no power to conduct fishing expeditions, and its investigatory authority is supposed to be in service of legislation, as we've talked about many times. Nor is investigating Mr. Trump's pre-presidential activities a legitimate exercise of the House's impeachment power. The framers viewed impeachment as a remedy for for serious violations of public trust committed while in office. Governor Morris told the Constitutional Convention impeachment would punish the president not as a man but as an officer and punished only by degradation from his office. Alexander Hamilton likewise observed in Federalist Number 65, the impeachment involves those offenses which pre- proceed from the misconduct of public men or in other words, from the abuse or violation of some public trust. So they don't have the power, they don't have the authority to look back nor do they have the authority to delve in the president's personal finances for the hell of it, even while they create these pretexts. Well, we're going to make sure he's not, uh, you know, doing things in order to influence his uh, business dealings. Sorry. That's BS. You've got no actual direct evidence of any of that. Fishing expedition. President should reject every committee request for any witnesses, family members, Anybody from the White House, any documents, 
any electronic communications related to any of these matters, and go ahead and litigate it all the way to the United States Supreme Court. And I would advise the president, take your time. You're no Harry. Take your time. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You see, the Mueller investigation, ladies and gentlemen, is the creation of the coup effort. It's the creation of the silent coup, which isn't so silent anymore. Mueller's appointment is part of the ongoing coup. That's why he was appointed in the first place. This is an excellent piece by my buddy Eli Lake. And Eli Lake says, in so many words, Rosenstein has a lot of explaining to do. On the one hand, he helps provide the substantive basis for the President of the United States to fire Comey. And on the other hand, according to McCabe, now these guys are all liars. They're all politically corrupt. But trying to piece this together, Rosenstein, having participated in the firing of Comey, then turns around, Geniflex, and appoints a special counsel. Isn't that interesting? According to McCabe, it was Rosenstein who recommended that he would wear a wire. It's Rosenstein who brought up the 25th Amendment, not once, but multiple times. It's also according to Baker, who's under criminal investigation. You know, it's like dealing with the mob here, so. McCabe's under investigation. Baker's under investigation. Only one who's not under investigation is Rosenstein. But Rosenstein, as Eli Lake points out so brilliantly, is involved in the firing of Comey, and then he's involved in the appointment of the special counsel to investigate, among other things, the firing of Comey. I will tell you why. Because he's a coward. He was taking heat. He was being attacked. And he's a bureaucrat. And he's been a bureaucrat that could walk both sides of the aisle. He was confirmed by 94, 95 votes in the Senate, believe it or not. And now the Democrats were turning on him. Because his memo was used in significant part by the President of the United States as a basis for firing Comey. And as Andrew McCarthy points out today, President fired Comey not to obstruct the Russia investigation because the Russia investigation was never obstructed. The president didn't direct any obstruction against the Russia investigation. The president didn't withhold a nickel from the Russia investigation. The president's been critical of it, but why the hell wouldn't he be? He was the target of the coup. But he's done nothing. He's taken no effective steps in any respect to dislodge this investigation. One of the reasons he fired Comey, if not the main reason, is because Comey would tell the president in private that he was not the subject of an investigation. But then he would tell Congress that he was, and he wouldn't tell the media also that the president wasn't the subject of an investigation. So you have these slime balls in the highest positions. 
Comey telling the president one thing in public, excuse me, in private, in public he wouldn't say it, McCabe, and of course Rosenstein, all positioning themselves. You know, it reminds me of this guy Mark Felt, who was the deputy director of the FBI, and he was so angry at Nixon for passing over him more than once because he wanted to be the director of the FBI. He's the one who leaked the vast majority of the information to Woodward and Bernstein. These guys aren't good reporters, Woodward and Bernstein. Listen to them. They sound semi-literate. This guy Bernstein is burping up his breakfast every morning. They were fed this stuff from the deputy director of the FBI, which is how I figured the media was getting this phony stuff on Trump. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, the modern voice of the Founding Fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. Let me show you what Washington and the clowns in the media, particularly on TV, are focused on. If you want to know what the left is thinking in the spin, you go to Mediaite. I don't recommend it, but you can, like a clown like Ken Meyer. The top five highlights from the blockbuster New York Times report on Trump investigations. And we have the senior judicial analyst saying, this would, <laughs> this would be obstruction of justice. That guy, every other day. He sees a shoe dropping on the president of the United States. I'm sorry. It's become outrageous. Whereas a citizen, you can't ignore it. This is how this clown writes. The New York Times has released an extensive report on President Donald Trump's political war with the investigations into his affairs. And it's quite a doozy. Now, keep in mind, we have this coup attempt. Which is nothing like the country's ever seen before coming out of the Department of Justice and the high ranks of the FBI with assistance from some of these intelligence operatives in the different agencies. So it's, it's, it's a fact because McCabe has confessed by hawking a book. But this is the big story to the New York Times and the mediaite on the left. It's like the coup never happened. The report explores Trump's efforts to push back on the inquiries that surround his presidency. Taking note of the more than 1,000 instances which the president and his team have disparaged Robert Mueller. This is amazing to me. How many instances did the media disparage Ken Starr? In fact, how many instances have the media disparaged Robert Mueller? Zero? 
the FBI and the Department of Justice and a variety of law enforcement figures. Well, of course they have. They tried to take this president out. However, by reviewing dozens of confidential documents and interviewing numerous government officials, that Times has pieced together the details of Trump's effort to undermine the legal process from inside. Again, the New York Times is working on his impeachment or to defeat him for re-election. It's quite a bit to break down here, but I, Ken Meyer, I'm capable of this. With that in mind, here are seven of the most consequential takeaways from the explosive feature. Number one, POTUS wanted Matt Whitaker to have a Trump ally take over the Southern District of New York's investigation. The report starts off with a bang, stating that Trump contacted Matt Whitaker. Uh, Matt Whitaker, shortly after he replaced Jeff Sessions as acting attorney general. During this phone call, Trump reportedly asked if it was possible to have a friendly face like attorney Jeffrey Berman installed at the top of the Southern District of New York's investigation. Let's just stop there. First of all, it's denied. Who was the attorney general of the United States under Barack Obama? Eric Holder. Was he a friendly face? Yes. Sure was. Every U.S. attorney is appointed by the President of the United States and confirmed, or not, by the Senate. As the Time notes, during Whitaker's recent testimony before the House Judiciary Committee, he claimed that Trump never leaned on him to interfere with the Mueller investigation. Okay, so then how is this a fact? (laughs) Well, you know, if this is true, that's obstruction. It's a bombshell, I tell you. It's a bombshell. Listening to this guy on cable... It's Dresden every day. Bombs and bombs and bombs and bombs. It's, it's, a, it's a bombshell. Oh, my God, another one. Number two, Trump directed Spicer to echo Paul Ryan's dubious claim that he'd asked for Flynn's resignation. So what? Number three, Trump asked Corey Lewandowski to pressure Jeff Sessions into resigning. So what? The president could have done that directly, too. Pardons for Flynn and Manafort. This section, section speaks for itself, says the Ken Mayer Meyer. One of Mr. Trump's lawyers also reached out that summer to the attorneys for two of his former aides, Manafort and Flynn, discussed possible pardons. Does anybody remember all the pardons that Clinton handed out, like lollipops? Or the uh, pardon that Obama handed out to terrorists? Does anybody remember any of this stuff? Rudy Giuliani's partnership with Manafort's lawyer, a Giuliani, as Giuliani conducted his legal and public relations campaign against the investigation. He's described as getting help from Kevin Downing, who represented Manafort. So what? Lawyers talk to each other all the time. In fact, part of the problem with our government is they're leaking cases to the media. And you see, ladies and gentlemen, these are bombshells dropping all over the place, like Dresden. Oh, my God. Oh, screw off, New York Times. The Holocaust-denying New York Times. We regular Americans who do not believe in fundamentally transforming this great country, we're on to you. That's why you had to have this billionaire from Mexico buy your damn newspaper. But it's, it's crucial. All the news that's fit to print, except for the Holocaust back in the 40s. Yeah, oh, my God. They can all go to hell, quite frankly. You know, for the last month, you've been hearing me talk about a new sponsor to the program, Brickhouse Nutrition, and their product, Field of Greens. This is very important. 
For years, we've been hearing about the daily recommended servings of fruits and vegetables, but almost nobody spends the time to measure out the exact amounts and varieties necessary to meet those recommendations. So finally, somebody has. Finally, there's a product that makes it so easy. It's as simple as putting one scoop in a cup of water, stir, and you're done. And not only that, it tastes great. Now, this isn't some fly-by-night supplement or laboratory-created vitamin that kills your kidneys. Field of Dreams is real. USDA, organic fruits and vegetables, complete with antioxidants, boosts your immunity. As I say, has antioxidant power. And it's prebiotic and probiotic. I like it because it boosts my immunity. Bottom line, this is real food. Really healthy. And your body will thank you. Here's what you need to do. Please do it right away. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com. It's all one word. BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com. And you'll get 15% off your first order just for trying it out with promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. That's BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code LEVIN. A reminder. It's made from real food, not extracts. It boosts your immunity, supports your healthy metabolism. It's great for those of you who are on the go, which is everybody who listens to this program. And subscribers also receive a free shaker, so you can easily mix up your Field of Greens wherever you are. Field of Greens has almost 1,000 verified five-star reviews. I cannot recommend it strongly enough. In other words, go get it. Try it. BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code Levin. BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, promo code Levin. All right, let's jump in. Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes Sunday. He's, he's a real weirdo, isn't he? Cut one, go. McCabe is a lifelong Republican who had a sterling 21-year career at the FBI. So notice how he builds him up. The guy was fired, which is really rare. And under investigation for lying, for leaking. He violates FBI policy. He undermines his own agency. He's one of the leaders of a coup. So Scott Pelley, Scott Pelley of 60 Minutes. What's with all these guys with the lockjaw? Who talks like this? Uh, But he tries to protect him. Go ahead. Serving as head of counterterrorism and number two under Comey. But he was fired last year for allegedly lying to his own agents about a story he leaked to a newspaper. Not since Watergate has the FBI been drawn so deeply into presidential politics. The FBI wasn't drawn into presidential politics. The FBI at the top was leading a coup. And this is what amazes me. It's a bombshell. I got it's a bomb. That's a real bombshell. It's a real bombshell. It's a shocking bombshell. I want you to really think about it. The news cycle moves so fast, they, they try and distract you with their BS. Hey, look at the New York Times. Don't look at the New York Times. Ignore the New York Times. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. We need to stay focused. We had an effort underway within our government to overthrow our government. We had an effort to overthrow our government with the support of the media and the support of the Democrat Party, individuals within the Obama administration, people within the FBI, people in the Hillary Clinton campaign, Democrats in Congress are still at it. 
Let's listen to some more of this. Cut to go. You were accused of providing information to a Wall Street Journal reporter because you thought the story the journal was writing was going to be wrong. Do I have that right? That's correct. Now, let me stop you there. Since when are senior FBI officials in the official business of leaking to the press? That's amazing to me. Go ahead. You are authorized by the FBI to release information to the media. That's correct. Well, it seems to me it's not exactly correct, jackass, because you were fired and you're under investigation. Hey, that's correct. Seems a little 1930s, this guy. You understand what I'm saying, Mr. Producer? Little 1930s to me. Go ahead. You did so through the public affairs office at the FBI. I did. And you also didn't, did you? It's a Donald Trump, uh, uh, it's a Donald Trump conspiracy. They're all out to get me. Cut three, go. How long was it after that that you decided to start the obstruction of justice? Now, he's referring to the firing of Comey. So... So McCabe says, this is, this is obstruction of justice. They just fired my friend. This is, uh, this is remarkable. Go ahead. How long was it after that that you decided to start the obstruction of justice and counterintelligence investigations involving the president? Now let's stop. Those are two different types of investigation. He started an obstruction of justice investigation of the President of the United States for firing Jim Comey, which the President has the authority to do. Just another pretext. Just another pretext. you got to follow the course of this thing. This was going on long before Trump was President of the United States. He was a candidate. And the FBI was trying to take this guy out, the stroke and page texts, the leaks to the media, the Russian collusion claims, and now obstruction, you see. Now you got the Southern District of New York investigating the campaign, investigating the inauguration. These are Comey's friends. He ran the Southern District of New York. Go ahead. The next day, I met with the team investigating the Russia cases, and uh, I asked the team to go back and conduct an assessment to determine where are we with these efforts and what steps do we need to take. But why forward. would you? When the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, Rosenstein, wrote the underlying memo, as Eli Lake points out today, to fire Comey. Why would you think this is obstruction of justice? And ladies and gentlemen, if it's an obstruction of justice investigation, how the hell does Mr. Rosenstein remain in charge of the special counsel? This whole thing is so slimy. It's so disgusting. It's unbelievable. Go ahead. I was very concerned that I was able to put the Russia case on absolutely solid ground. This guy is scary. He's got a fascistic mindset. Sue me, ass, and you'll and you'll uh, you'll see what it's like, pal. You see what kind of discovery you get in civil court, which is 
Incredible. This guy has a tyrannical mindset. He's going to set things straight. I think he's got a loose screw, to be perfectly honest with you. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. It's really bizarre. Some of these analysts, former prosecutors, former New Jersey judges, and so forth. So any effort by the president to defend his office and himself from this coup? Well, that would be obstruction of justice. That's a bombshell. No, it's not. What's taken place here? That these instrumentalities of the left within the government. A cabal. It's real. Trying to take down the president of the United States. That should be the focus. That should be the focus. And they don't believe there's any consequence for this because they have the media in their back pocket and they have useful idiots in their back pocket. Obstruction of justice! You know, no one should feel unsafe at home, period. Fear is no place in a place like your home. That's been Simply Safe's mission from day one. You may have seen their commercial about it during the Super Bowl this year. You can find it online. Simply Safe system was designed to blanket your whole home, your whole home, not just your front door, with protection. They're around the clock, professional monitoring, make sure police are on the way when you need them. The system's completely wireless. You can install it yourself in under an hour. And Simply Safe security sensors are tiny, blending in with your home so you won't notice them. The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security, and it's a wire cutter top pick. Because there's more than 3 million Simply Safe customers already know, like us. Feels good to fear less. You should join us today. Protect your home with Simply Safe. You'll get free shipping on any system order. Just visit simplysafemark.com to get started. Simplysafemark.com to get started. And protect your home and family today and get free shipping on your order. That's simplysafemark.com. So we have this effort to take out the President of the United States. Instead, we're supposed to be focused on a New York Times article. This is the kind of crap they pulled during the Holocaust, and I'm not kidding. I'm waiting for the backbenchers to start bringing up the Holocaust in the New York Times, the way they bring up the silent coup now and act as if they created that phrase. I didn't create it, but I've applied it to this situation. So the New York Times is a dishonest corporation. It is a history, a horrific history of being a dishonest organization. CNN is a dishonest organization. It has a more recent history when it decided to leave news and take on propaganda to be a dishonest organization. It's wrong all the time. MSLSD is where the miscreants from MAC go. It's the farm team to the farm team. That's why they sent Brian Williams there. That's their Siberia. That's why Andrea Mitchell's stuck there. That's why you got fools like Chris Matthews slobbering all over himself and everybody in the uh, around the table. And of course... 
Al Sharpton. Who the hell would hire Al Sharpton? Well, MSNBC, for one. Then they have this fool, Lawrence O'Donnell. Boy, there's a head case. Then, of course, Mika Blazinski. And Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough, a failed politician, a failed radio host. So where do failed people go? MSNBC. Mika Blazinski. Well, she speaks for herself. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to continue. Then I want you to listen to a very brave woman in many respects, Laura Logan, who did a podcast interview, Laura, L-A-R-A Logan. You've heard of her. She used to be with 60 Minutes. She apparently was told recently she's not anymore. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, isn't it amazing? Amazon wanted to put one of its, I guess, second-tier headquarters or whatever they want to call it in New York City. They've got one they're going to build in Arlington, Virginia. These are Democrat strongholds because Bezos, a left-wing hack, as many billionaires are because they can afford whatever it is the rest of us can't. And the labor unions and the environmental groups and this group, and that group, and they chased them out. Chased them out, so they left. Why don't they try going to a red state? I'm quite serious. There are communities all over the country, and many of them are not in big metropolitan areas, that would love to have an Amazon headquarters. That would love to have an Amazon headquarters. I've got the perfect community, Mr. Producer. McAllen, Texas, or El Paso, Texas, right there on the border. It's perfect. It's perfect. Then Mr. Bezos and the Washington Post that he owns and all leftists he supports can get a feel for how that works, too. 
all the drugs that come in, all the crime that's created, but we're told it isn't created, all the other horrors that come across, although we're told they never come across. Well, Mark, there's good people, too. We know there's good people, too. But the problem with illegal immigration is you can't tell the good from the bad, now can you? Particularly if you want to eliminate ICE when they eventually get here. Or particularly when you want to give them sanctuary in our cities and our states. You make the vetting process before they get here and when they're here impossible. And then you're soft on crime. Hey, criminal justice reform. Let's get back to, shall we? A man who was fired for lying during the course of an internal investigation by the IC at the FBI. The number two, Andrew McCabe. Who was one of the leaders of a coup who sought to undermine our Constitution and the election of a president of the United States. One day, when we actually have a free press, when we actually break the monopoly, the ideological monopoly on our college campuses, that's going to require breaking tenure. One day, people will write write about this period, both about the abuses of power by the Obama administration, unbelievable activity during the course of this campaign that just passed, and the media. Anyway, McCabe, cut for a go. I can't describe to you accurately enough the pressure and the chaos that Rod and I were trying to operate under at that time. It was incredibly turbulent, incredibly stressful, and it was clear to me that that stress was was impacting the Deputy Attorney General. We talked about um, why the President had insisted on firing the Director and whether whoa, or whoa, not... Whoa, 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 whoa. One of the reasons, again, for the 400th time he fired the director was he got a memo from Rod Rosenstein. Now, you might say, but he urged Rosenstein to write the memo. So what? He's a big boy, Rosenstein. He's a former United States attorney. Didn't want to write it, didn't have to write it. Nobody had a gun to his head, but he wrote it. And now whether the president committed an act of obstruction on the advice of Mr. Rosenstein. You see how bizarre this is? We were really, it was incredibly turbulent, period, incredibly stressful. Go ahead. Was thinking about the Russia investigation and did that impact his decision? And in the context of that conversation, the deputy attorney general offered to wear a wire into the White House. Now let's, let's set the stage here. Deputy Attorney General recommends the firing of Comey, as did many people, by the way. Former Attorneys General, former Deputy Attorneys General, former U.S. Attorneys General, because of Comey's conduct. Comey's conduct was unethical and outrageous. So many people who'd served in high positions in past administrations of both parties at the Justice Department said Comey should be fired. President fires Comey. The Democrats wanted Comey out until the president fired him. Then all of a sudden, hey, that's obstruction of justice. So anyway, Rosenstein recommends that he be fired and then offers to wear a wire into the White House. The president has done nothing to disrupt the investigation on resources, on personnel, other than fire the 
FBI director because the FBI director was saying one thing to him and one thing to the public about the investigation. In other words, he's two-faced. Actually, more than that faced. And so stupid is Scott Pelley that Scott Pelley didn't have enough sense to follow up. Now, wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute there. Andy, may I call you Andy? We've become good friends. I'm going to name my next grandson. Uh, I'm going to name you his god-grandfather. But before we get there, Andy, I'm a little confused. Rosenstein recommends in a memo that the president fire Comey, whether he was asked or not. And then he offers to wear a wire. Does that make sense to you? Could you be lying, Mr. McCabe? According to Jake Tapper, there's no way that McCabe is lying. It's got to be Rosenstein who's lying. Isn't it possible, ladies and gentlemen, they're both pathological liars? That's where I come down. Go ahead. He said, I never get searched when I go into the White House. I could easily wear a recording device. They wouldn't know it was there. Now, he was not joking. He was absolutely serious. And in fact, he brought it up in the next meeting we had. I never actually... Let me tell you what was going on, folks. Rosenstein knew he'd never wear a wire. But Rosenstein had recommended that the president fire Comey. He comes under enormous attacks from the left and the Democrats, with whom he's had a wonderful relationship. He's out of Maryland. He's a Republican from Maryland. A lot of these Republicans from Maryland, I'm not talking about you conservatives, but a lot of these Republicans from Maryland are Democrats, like Hogan, the governor. They are effectively Democrats. For most of the country, that's how you would view them. So he he appoints a special counsel with no basis whatsoever to cover for his memo for which he was under attack. And then he's trying to persuade the FBI, Mr. Baker, Mr. McCabe, that he's one of them, that he's tough too. And that's why he's saying, you know, I would wear a wire there, nobody can get me and so forth. And so I'm telling you the what what was going on in there. Rosenstein has a loose screw. So does this guy. Now that should cause you a lot of fear because they can destroy a lot of lives, and they have. Just like this guy Weissman, who works for Mala. They have loose screws too. Go ahead. Considered taking him up on the offer. Um, I did discuss it with my general counsel and my leadership team back at the FBI after he brought it up the first time. So the cabal for the coups, bigger, bigger, bigger. They're leaking to the media. They're conspiring with one another. They thought they had Trump on the dossier. It didn't work. They thought they could stop him from getting elected. It didn't work. Now they want to spy on him further. Do you understand what I said? They want to spy on the president of the United States. That's what a wire is all about. They want to spy on the president of the United States. This rogue cabal at the FBI. And the media want you to focus on the media tonight. The media want you to focus on their favorite newspaper, the New York Times, tonight. We're not focusing on the New York Times. They're a joke. Cut five. Go. The deputy attorney general offered to wear a wire into the White House. 
He said, I never get searched when I go into the White House. I could easily wear a recording device. They wouldn't know it was there. Now, he was not joking. He was absolutely serious. And in fact, he brought it up in the next meeting we had. Rosenstein was actually openly. What's this guy? He's got, a, he's got a speech impediment. Rosenstein was. Yeah, move it along. Go ahead. There was a majority of the cabinet who would vote to remove the president. That's correct. Yes. Counting votes or possible now, votes. Now, this guy, uh, Pelly, is such a pathetic moron and leftist. His comment should have been, what the hell is the FBI doing playing around with the 25th Amendment? You have no role whatsoever. What the hell are you doing over there? Exactly what crime did Trump commit? Oh, he fired poor Comey. He's allowed to fire Comey. See, if, if, if Pelly wasn't such a leftist in the back pocket of the, uh, of the, uh, of the, of the cabal, he would have had some serious questions. Have you heard a serious question here? Uh, no. No, I have not. Go ahead. Yes. The fact is, and it's not in my book. Now, this is today. Right, Mr. Producer? Now, today on The View, who goes on The View with these yentas? Especially the one in the middle, Joy Behar, another failed radio host. What a, what a joke. She's a uh, Las Vegas lounge act. They put her on The View because she's a lib. Yes, yes. All right, let's take it from the top. Now, you heard what he said, right, about the 25th Amendment? Now, all of a sudden, well, it wasn't... I wasn't really going to talk about it. I didn't write about it in the book, you know. Yeah, because it exposes the coup. That's why. Cuts six. Go. The fact is, and it's not in my book for exactly this reason. I made the decision not to include these comments in the book because they were. But you made them on 60 Minutes endlessly. Endlessly. And the reason you didn't put them in your book, but then you decided in 60 Minutes, because you got a loose screw to begin with. So consistency is not your strong point. It's because you got pushback after your interview in 60 Minutes, pal. People said, holy mackerel, this guy just confessed to trying to overthrow the government of the United States. Do you understand what I'm saying, folks? Universalize your point. You don't even have to talk about this particular president. This man was part of a cabal to overthrow the government of the United States. In that, I mean the president of the United States. With no constitutional authority, no legal authority, no crime having been committed. Go ahead. It never went beyond the realm of a brief offhanded comment by the deputy attorney general. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Didn't he say, Mr. Bedusa, that Rosenstein brought it up twice the next day? And they were counting votes? And they had two cabinet members or something like that? This guy is pathological. Go ahead. Me. I'm not aware of any steps that were taken to execute this. I'm not aware of any meetings that were pulled together to discuss it. There was no further discussion. Caught you didn't, pal. Your big mouth caught yourself, didn't it? You tried to overthrow the government of the United States. And now you're saying, oops, wait a minute. Everything I said on 60 Minutes... It's not correct. You didn't hear what he said, see, folks. That's why I'm playing it back to back, because, yes, you did. Let's continue. Cut seven. Go. 
I don't believe you're a reliable narrator, and I'm not convinced this isn't just some kind of PR campaign to stop yourself from getting indicted. Good for you. You were fired at the recommendation of the FBI, which in your book you cite four times how great of an organization it is for your lack of candor. I would like you to say right here on national TV that you were not a source for the New York Times, you were never a source for the New York Times or any other publication, considering that's what you're accused of lying about. Basically, were you ever a leaker to the New York Times? Absolutely not. No, not not in any time ever. Um, You should understand, Megan, when I was serving as deputy director, I was one of two people in the FBI that had the authority to disclose information to the media. That is an FBI policy. It's baked into the way that we run media relations in the organization. So I transacted on issues regarding the media every single day. Just really quick, then why did James Comey deny the claim that he approved your leaks to the press? I don't know why Jim Comey doesn't remember the conversations that we had in the same way that I do. (laughs) It is understandable. He was an utter... Wait a minute. Gee, he's lucky he wasn't interviewed by the FBI, isn't he? Because it could be, you know, a Mike Flynn situation. I I don't know why Jim doesn't remember things the way I remember. You know, Jim doesn't remember this. Weissman! Imagine what Weissman would do with this. Because everybody they interview better have a split-second memory of everything that ever took place in their lives, every email they ever wrote, every text they ever read. Otherwise, look, we got you on false statements. Look at this. Go ahead. Enormous amount of stress at the time. He had a lot of other kind of more important Everybody's things. Everybody's under stress but him. Rosenstein's under stress. Comey's under stress. But this guy's a cool cat. Although he sounds like he's not. Go ahead. I can't explain why he doesn't remember them the same way I, I do. I thought you guys wrote everything down. We wrote down things when we were dealing with people we didn't trust. Uh-huh. Like I the president. Exactly. Oh, Joy, you're so funny. Actually quite stupid. Low IQ. That's quite obvious. McCabe, well, exactly. We wrote everything about the, down about the president, you see, because we didn't trust him. Let's continue uh, on The View today. Go ahead, cut eight. Let me ask you something that's stuck with me. You, you say in the book... This is Anna Navarro, an idiot. Go ahead. Compare Trump to a Russian mob boss. And that's something you know something about. You spent yeah. part of your career investigating the Russian mob. I did. You say... Quote, he worked you over the way a criminal brigade would operate. Yeah. Tell me the similarities, because we think he's a little bit more Don Corleone, frankly. Oh, aren't you funny? Aren't you funny? The president's Don Corleone. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. People email me and text me personal stuff when I'm trying to do this show. It really is. But anyway, what am I doing, Rich? How much time do I have? Jeffrey Tubin is on uh, CNN yesterday. He's the legal analyst. He's a nut job. Here's what he has to say about the president tweet that this was treasonous behavior. And he's right. Cut 10. Go. I think the 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 correct term is not treasonous, but patriotic. I mean, they are thinking about the national security of the United States. This guy is a sleazeball in his personal life as well as a puke on TV. Go ahead. All career officials. These are not uh, Democratic political appointees. Doesn't matter, you idiot, if they're Democratic political appointees. And he fails to mention the McCabe's wife 
He's a Democrat who ran for the state Senate and lost with a big backing from the Democrat governor, Terry McAuliffe, a, a Hillary ally. But none of that matters. The fact is he did these things. Go ahead. These are people whose job it is to care about the national security. So what? He apparently, in this case, wanted to overthrow his own government. We don't need these cliches from clowns like you. You're supposed to be a legal analyst. Does it not concern you that somebody was subverting the electoral process? That somebody was undermining our constitutional system? Hiding out at the FBI, does that not bother you, you fool? Apparently not. I'll be right back. Some people talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Two things, folks. I'm sorry I haven't taken any calls. There was just too much for me to uh, get to this evening, having been gone as long as I was. And I'm sorry for all the audio, but I think it's important, rather than my reading what people have said. I'm not one of these guys that just uses the show to play audio. I don't believe that. But if somebody is saying something that has historic ramifications, I think I need to sit, you need to hear it if you haven't already. You know, when it comes to costly car repairs, you need options. Instead, you're often stuck bargain hunting for the best deal because who can afford to fork over thousands of dollars for a repair? So you can't put a price on your family's safety and security on the road either. That's why I have extended vehicle protection on our 2010 model Camaro from CarShield. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. So if your car is 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands of future car repairs. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like we did. Call 800-CAR-6100, but use code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com and use code L-E-V-I-N-LEVIN. Either way, you'll save 10%. That's carshield.com LEVIN or call 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. All right, let's move to Laura Logan. Very, very important interview. You may have heard some of this today, but I'm assuming many of you haven't because many of you actually work or you have other things to do. As the cleanup hitter, I want to make sure you get some access to this. She was on a podcast by Mike Drop. He's a uh, retired Navy SEAL. Uh, Mike Drop is the name of it. His name is Mike Ritlin, actually. And this was Friday. Hat tip, Breitbart. Cut 11, go. You say the media is mostly liberal. Do I agree with that? Does everyone listening agree with that? What's our position on that? I agree with you. It's true. Why? Why can I say that with certainty? Well, first of all, because I've I've been part of this for all my life. I'm 47 now, and I've been a journalist since I was 17. And and the media everywhere is mostly liberal, not just in the U.S. But in this country, 85% of journalists are registered Democrats. So that's just a fact. Right. No one's registering Democrat when they're rarely a Republican. So 
the facts are on the side of what you just stated. Most journalists are, are left or liberal or Democrat or whatever word you want to give it. I always joke that the other 14% were too lazy to register. <laughs> and there's maybe 1% that's um, on the right. You know, she, uh, she's been with CBS. She's been on 60 Minutes. She's extremely intelligent. Cut 12, go. Visually, anyone who's ever been to Israel and been to the Wailing Wall has seen that the women have this tiny little spot in front of the wall to pray, and the rest of the wall is for the men. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a great representation of the American media, is that, you know, in this tiny little corner where the women pray, you've got Breitbart and Fox News and, uh, you know, a few others, and then from, from that, from there on, you have CB. CBS, ABC, NBC, Huffington Post, political, whatever, right? All of them. And that's a problem for me because even if it was reversed, if it was, you know, vastly, mostly, you know, right on the right and a little bit, that would also be a problem for me. What I, my experience has been that the more, um, the more opinions you have, the more, uh, ways that you look at everything in life. Everything in life is complicated. Everything is gray, right? Nothing is black and white. We're going to keep going. I want you to hear as much of this as possible. Cut 13, go. Got nothing to do with whether I like Trump or don't like Trump, right? Or whether I believe him or don't believe in him or identify with him, don't, whatever. I don't even want to have that conversation because I approach that the same way I approach anything. I find that is not a popular way to work in the media today because although the media has always been historically always been left-leaning we've abandoned um our, our pretense or at least the effort to be objective today the former executive editor of the new york times has a book coming out jill abramson and she says we would do I don't know, dozens of stories about Trump every single day and every single one of them was negative. She said, we, be, we have become the anti-Trump paper of record. Well, that's not our job. That's a political position. That means we've become political activists in a sense and some could argue propagandists, mm -hmm. right? And there's some merit to that. Yes, and I've been saying propagandists, that word, for a very, very long time. That's why I called them the Praetorian Guard. You can Google Praetorian Guard. You know what it means. They're protecting the left. They are the left. They're protecting big centralized government. That's what they become. The final clip we have, cut 14, go. You know, what? You know, we have few conventions, if you like, because they're not really rules, but that you need at least two first-hand sources for something, right? Those things help keep you, um, you know, keep your work to a certain standard. Those, those standards are out the window. I mean, you read one uh, story after another or hear it, and it's all based on one anonymous administration official, a former administration mm -hmm. official, right? I mean, that's right. just, that's not journalism, that's horse. Yeah. Sorry, that yeah. is absolute horse. Yep, and yet it is a standard practice now of the press. Former administration official, administration officials, anonymous officials, one anonymous official, and they pick whomever they want in order to advance their agenda. This is particularly true of the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, and the Washington Post. Particularly true of them. You can't tell the news side from the opinion side in any of those entities. You just can't. Because they're all one and the same. 
give you a perfect example, and kudos to her, by the way. Let's listen to this Chuck Todd. I don't know what cut that is, Rich, but you have it. Chuck Todd on this issue of the National Emergencies Act of 1976. It also demonstrates to you how stupid the man is. Absolutely stupid. Go ahead. Welcome back tonight. I'm obsessed with evolution, political evolution. And on the issue of the Constitution and presidential authority. Boy, if some Republicans evolved. Take Vice President Mike Pence. Just four years ago, he seemed to have a very strong opinion on presidents using their power to go around Congress. Let's start. How is the president going around Congress when Congress passed the laws that the president is using? What you have here is a conflict between the president and Congress, and the president is going to use statutes that Congress passed. He would prefer not to. From a political perspective, he preferred to work with them, but it doesn't work when you're up against Pelosi and Schumer. So he's going to go ahead with another avenue, another option. He had option A, didn't work. He's going with option B. He's not going around Congress because Congress can still by joint resolution, uh, reject his position, and then he can veto their position. This is the procedure set up by Congress. It just shows you how the man is stupid and ideologically driven. He's not a journalist, this Chuck Todd. Go ahead. I believe the president of the United States should use his executive authority to, to overturn American law concerning immigration. Now, what he's talking about there is DACA. And there's a big difference. There's no statutory foundation. There's no statutory authority whatsoever for what Obama did. And he didn't cite any. He just used his quote-unquote executive power. That's not what Trump has done. They're distinctly different things. And yet they try to make Pence look foolish, take out of context what he said, Use the word immigration rather than explain to the audience what's taking place. That's not a free press, ladies and gentlemen. As I keep saying, he's a propagandist. Go ahead. That was during the Obama administration. He wouldn't possibly change his stance under President Trump, right? Right? The president of the United States has the absolute authority under the Constitution and by statute to declare a national emergency and, and, and reposition resources. Yes, exactly. And he can reposition resources because the statutes that Congress passed allows him to do it. And he's triggering a statute that Congress passed. It's exactly what Pence is talking about. There's absolutely nothing contradictory or hypocritical about any of it. It's just that Chuck, Chuck Todd is a flag waver for the left and the Democrat Party. And he's getting worse and worse and worse. And yet, now that I've explained it, who's the stupid one? He's the stupid one. So, Chuck, I'll ask you this. What's the statutory authority for DACA? I know what the statutory authority is for what the president's doing, and so do you. What's the statutory authority for DACA? And how is the president legally... Or check that illegally or improperly going around Congress when Congress gave him these powers. And Chuck, did you ever mention this before under the National Emergencies Act? I looked. I don't see anything. You and Rubio, I haven't seen anything. And then you have Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, a true putz. 
And he's really gunning for the president. But listen to him. I guess he was on TV this weekend, too. Cut 15, go. Majority vote in both houses. You think that there are enough Republicans to go against this president, something they've never done before? I think so. I I can't be certain of that, but I think so because... Now, by the way, these are two Democrats talking to each other. So let's get that straight. Go ahead. Their statements, I mean, they're they're terrified of this, and rightly so. Um, Why are they terrified by this? I don't understand. Well, the Democrats might do it. Well, the Democrats have done it. Republican and president, uh, Democrat presidents. As long as they do it within the law. So I, I'm, I'm really not following this. This outrage. Go ahead. An emergency today on this nonsense, on, on this, uh, the Democratic president can decide that, the, as you mentioned, the gun cry, the, the 40,000 people a year killed in this. No, he can't. Are- no, he can't. And Cuomo's an idiot. Why are you citing him? Why are you citing Cuomo the idiot? We have a Second Amendment. Not only can't the president use the National Emergencies Act to change the Second Amendment, Congress can't either by statute. So one has nothing to do with the other. The president's trying to secure the border. He has access to the funds under both statutes, under multiple statutes. He's following the law. He can't just say, you know, it's a national emergency because uh, 40,000 people a year die in this country from guns. And by the way, That's not accurate either. Some people die. Well, anyway, let's go on. 40,000 people die a year because of cafe standards, but they won't change those, will they? But the difference here is, of course, the president already has both implied and explicit power when it comes to immigration, national security, and securing the border. He has no power to change the Second Amendment. If Mr. Nadler and Mr. Cuomo want to change the Second Amendment, then put it to a constitutional vote. Try and get it amended in the House and the Senate. And if you can't, too damn bad. Go ahead. Is a crisis, and why don't we take everybody's guns away or force everybody to register their guns? You understand, folks, how stupid these people are? And yet their audience gets stupider by the day because they listen to this. I'm on JetBlue coming back. I like JetBlue because you have the TV there. I can watch uh, ESPN. I can watch, uh, you know, whatever I want. HGTV, which I like. The History Channel, I believe. Anyway, watching the guys in front of two of them. They're watching scene, and I thought, boy, are these guys getting dumber by the plane ride. Dumber by the plane ride, listening to fools like this. Go ahead. All assault rifles will do all of that um, without congressional approval. I mean, this, this opens up uh, tyranny or dictatorship. What are you talking about, you fool? What in the world are you talking about? This opens up tyranny. Did he say any of this when Obama instituted DACA? Which, as I keep saying, has no statutory constitutional authority whatsoever. And yet they defend it. Obamacare was unconstitutional under the Commerce Clause and the taxing authorities. And yet they defend it. So they're not opposed to separation of powers. They're great heroes, Woodrow Wilson and FDR. These are the closest things we've had to dictators in the presidency in modern times. And I should add LBJ, by the way. Ooh, yes. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Every time you go online or use public Wi-Fi, you're putting your personal information in danger. Unless you take precautions, a hacker can grab your passwords or credit card information in seconds. These hacks happen millions of times a day, and the victims have their personal information exposed or their identity stolen. How can you protect yourself? The software I use is called ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes it super easy for anyone to stay secure online. ExpressVPN hides your IP address and encrypts all your data online. That means nobody can see what you're doing on the Internet, not even government spy agencies like the NSA. The ExpressVPN app takes 90 seconds to set up on your computer or phone. You just click a button and poof, you're protected. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers and spies, visit expressvpn.com slash mark to get this special offer. Three months free with a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data any longer. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark today. All right, I told you I would tell you why I wasn't here. And I kind of dread this. My mother was very ill. She had liver cancer. And she passed away on February 10th on Sunday. And I left our home in Virginia and went to Florida the Thursday before. And the funeral was on Friday. So family uh, was present for my mother. You don't know a lot about my mother. You know a lot about my father. She passed on February 10th. Her birthday was February 13th. She was a magnificent mother. A loving mother. She was a uh, feminist before there was feminism. And I don't mean a left-wing kook. I mean she was a patriot just like my father. They didn't ask anybody for anything. It wouldn't even occur to them. She was the driving force behind the little businesses my parents set up. Day camp. And nursery school. And then a little retail shop in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. She's the one who encouraged my father to paint. And she fell ill. She had diabetes and heart disease. And uh, about 18 months ago, she was diagnosed with liver cancer. And I, my wife and I, Julie and I, spent a lot of time down there taking her to a wonderful place, the Sylvester Cancer Center, Miami, for certain treatments that prolonged her life. But when cancer takes over your liver, toxins, ammonia, bacteria, it's the filter. It winds up getting into your other organs, getting into your brain. And that's what happened. And uh, she was a wonderful, wonderful lady. My parents were inseparable. They never traveled apart. They never traveled without their kids. They were quintessential Americans. They would listen to this radio show religiously. When I'd go on Fox, they were my biggest fans. Now they're gone. The course of four months. Almost four months exactly to the day. I'm very blessed to have had parents like this. My mother's name was Norma. Norma Levin. And she'll always be remembered by us. And I'll see you tomorrow.